Tandem Nomad, episode 75. The first one would be um, related to your visa. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed it with the visa you currently have to launch a business? Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. Every new episode is launched twice a month on Tuesdays. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive with your family in your global nomadic life. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Emel Dereghi, and today's episode is with Rosiane Umbo Monteverde. Rosiane, are you ready for the ride? Ready, Fantastic. So today's episode, Nomad Nation, is all about how to build, you set up your company legally when you live abroad. So uh, Roseanne will tell us all about this because she is um, a French corporate lawyer who built her career working for major companies before leaving France to join her um her husband in Bahrain. So she lives in Bahrain now. And um, there she managed to work for another major regional company. However, at the same time, she started realizing a real need for uh, legal support for expats who build businesses away from their home base. This is what led her to launch her own company named Legal Nomad, a law firm for French expats abroad and foreign expats living in France, but also developing more and more services to all expats from around the world. So Rosiane is specialized in French law. However, although Businesses regulations can be very different from a country to another. Having worked in many international circumstances and companies, she will be able to share with us her experience and precious advice today to build your global uh, n- your global nomad company. So, <laughs> Roseanne, this was a very short overview of who you are. Is there anything I missed? Uh, I mean, it, your, your introduction is just perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> What could I add? I could add that I am a French qualified lawyer uh, and a French citizen born and, uh, and raised in, uh, in France, in, in Paris. And uh, I've been living in Bahrain for almost five years now. Uh, and for those who don't know Bahrain, and believe me, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> Bahrain is an island uh, located in the Persian Gulf, Gulf uh, between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. And uh, it's an independent kingdom uh, where life is very sweet, actually. That's that's really great to know that. It's uh, we've been discussing it before we start this interview. And Nomad Nation, you should check out more about Bahrain. There's so many things we don't know. And if I know that you all love to travel and discover the world, and it seems to be much different than what we could imagine. So, um, thank you for that introduction. And I would love to know more about you, your experience also as an expat partner before we start giving some information about how to set up legally your company or when you develop your business abroad but I would love to know what was it for you when you how was it for you when you knew that you might have to leave your career as a lawyer in a corporate world to go to Bahrain and join your husband what can you share with us about that it was a big challenge um, because you know um, I used to be uh, uh, working I mean the kind of cliche you know the, the working young freshly um, graduated lawyer uh, very ambitious, focused on her career. Um, I did not change a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, but I just get uh, wiser, let's say that. And um, it was complicated when I arrived, when I joined Bahrain, to change my status. You know, I used to be an uh, uh, independent woman working, having a, a good career in, in, in France, arriving in, 
Arabic Muslim country being the, the wife of Mr. X. Uh, it was no more the same status at all. And I just had to reinvent my uh, identity. This was the, the most difficult thing. And I didn't realize that moving abroad was not just um, to move, but to uh, enroot yourself also. Mm-hmm. And I made a huge um, work on my identity and realizing that I was much more than just a lawyer. I mean, I was not born lawyer. <laughs> I am a woman with um, um, opinion, thought, desires, dreams, and this is what I am first of all. And after comes the, um, the status. And um, when you live in town, you know, in big towns such as London, New York, or Paris, you tend to identify yourself just with your status, what you do for a living, Excellent. while you are much more than that. It's, it's one of those big realizations that as well for me, it brought me to live abroad once I, once I quit my job to be with my husband because I've lived abroad before for my own job. But when I did it for my husband, it was that realization that how come is my identity so attached to what I do professionally? Because it gives you a status and life is all... Life in society is a lot about status. So it's up to us to make that definition of who we want to be as a person. Uh, when, yeah, and a very it's, interesting point. It's who you want to be uh, as a person, but also the fact you realize that you are in charge and you really are responsible of your choices yeah. and your happiness. You cannot um, put your husband or your best half in charge of your happiness. Uh, once you succeed in realizing that, realizing, in, realizing the fact that you are responsible of your own life and your own choices, things get much easier, actually. Yeah. It's not easy to identify and to accept. Uh, but once it's done, it's much easier. I mean, yeah. it was my, uh, the, the process that I, uh, I followed and wow. it's my, my personal experience. So amazing. And I love that you said it's our choice. You know, it's, it's our choice and we can make that change. And you made it by creating your company, Legal Nomads. So I really wanted, it's really fascinating. I think we can talk for hours with, about your personal experience, but I think you have so much to bring also as your professional experience as a lawyer for Global Nomads. So um, I would like to start with... Um, you know, in general now, could we just um, break down the, le- the legal points that we have to consider when building a portable business abroad? Mm, you have several points to consider, to, to be honest. But let's, let's try to do it like, you know, a checklist. Yeah. Uh, the first one would be um, related to your visa. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed with the visa you currently have to launch a business? Um, in some countries, it's more difficult than others. Um, in some countries, with the current visa you have, you cannot launch a business. But maybe there is an opportunity or there is an option for you to change your visa. Which options are available for you? You have to think about it. Do you need a sponsorship from another company? Do you need to, um, to apply, basically? to, uh, to a, a visa allowing you to launch a company. Uh, if you are not uh, allowed to uh, launch your own company, things can get more complicated because um, you will have to face the fact that 
if you don't have the correct administrative authorization, you will be in an illegal situation. Mm. And this be um, a bit dangerous for yourself and your family, the stability of your family. You basically could have uh, effects on your husband, um, husband or wife, because sometimes men follow their, their wife, uh, wives. Um, it could have an uh, effect on the, the stability of the, the, the family. So we have to be careful with this first point, the visa. Yeah. yeah. Um, if by chance, you, by chance or not, <laughs> you uh, are uh, allowed to launch your own company, you will have several questions, legal questions regarding your company. Um, would it be more interesting for you to set up your company in the country where you are? I mean, working from the, com the, the country where you are, but also setting up your company in the country where you are currently living? Mm -hmm. um, would it be more interesting for you to set up your company in offshore countries such as Dubai, Hong Kong, or the Marshall Islands? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you will also have, so this will be the second uh, uh, checkbox. You will also have to check the tax treaties, the bilateral um, conventions and agreements regarding the incomes, um, the, the tax you will have to pay and the incomes received. Uh, with your your activity, and and you will also have, let's say that it would be a, a, a full um, checkbox to think about the responsibility, your responsibility, your liability mm -hmm. as a business owner. What would be the 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 your liability in case of problem? Uh, this would depend on the law enforceable to your company. And, and it will also depend on the matrimonial convention you could have with your husband. Are you uh, in joint ownership, separate ownership? This kind of question will have an impact on your, on your business. And unfortunately, this point, as well as the point related to the um, social care, um, are often neglected while they are fundamental. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the, the social care is also an important, uh, an important point in the sense that when you are a housewife, you can benefit sometimes from your husband's insurance um, or uh, another independent uh, state insurance. For example, in France, we have la caisse des Français de l'étranger. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you start having your own economical activity, the protection is not the same. It's no more the same. So there is an impact mm -hmm. on, on your social protection. And most of the time, people don't think about that. And this is why lawyers, we are here to remind you that we have, uh, you, you have to, to be careful on these points. That's such a such great point. So let me just summarize real quick before we go into the details a little bit. Um, the first thing to look at is the type of visa we have. Does that visa allow us to register our company in the host country where we live? And if not, what are the other options um, that's possible to register in a third country or the base home? So we'll go into details about that. The second point you said to consider is the taxes. Look at the tax treaties between your home tax, uh, where your home base tax-wise and where you live and what are the agreements that exist. Once you earn money and income, what are the 
who do you own taxes to? So you have to look at that. And the third one that you mentioned is liability, and that's related to the form and the type of company you register. And, and liability. <laughs> well, you've been explaining it. I'm very good at rephrasing. <laughs> But I did my share of research too, I have to say. So that's why <laughs> I had to go through that too. So, um, so liability, very important, which basically that's very interesting, Paul, that you said. Uh, the fact that the type of company you register um, can have an impact on your social security protection. And that's really interesting because liability, every type of uh, entrepreneur has to register a certain type of company. And that type of company tells you how responsible you are if you have a legal issue with your companies. For example, if somebody sues you, uh, how responsible are you uh, with your personal assets? That's, that's what you were explaining in different words. Yeah. Um, and that's where you said, look at what is the impact of your social security insurance? Because that, if you're not attached to your husband's insurance, then you have to look at what are the implications for you. Huh. So, yeah. Wonderful. So it's amazing how you oh, cover. to work for me, Amel. I, I don't have any credit here. <laughs> You've been explaining all of that, <laughs> but, um, but this is really important things that you really highlighted very well. Now I'd love to ask you more details. Um, I would love to tell you, an issue that I see a lot with the expat spouses to help build their businesses is that issue of where do you set up your company when you move every two, three years? So do you have any advice about that? This is a very tricky question. Yeah. It's very tricky because you, you, you are always swimming between two waters and these two waters are your nationality and your home and your, your host country. Um, depending on the kind of expat you are, are you really shopping every three years? Are you, uh, let's say, occasional expat where, I mean, you were you supposed to travel every three years, but at the end of the story, you just move twice <laughs> and you stay 10 years in one country and five years in another. Um, depending on where you come from and what is your nationality, the easiest, the easiest um, option could be to register your country in, the, your, sorry, your company in the country where you come from. Why? Because you understand the legal system, because you speak the language, because in case you have to come back home, you would be able to um, manage your company properly. This is comfortable, but it can be, it has some inconvenience. It can have some, some inconvenience depending on the tax treaties uh, that uh, have been uh, concluded between your home uh, country and your host country. Um, some countries have uh, tax, uh, tax policy that are m more favorable than others, And it's always a case-by-case case, uh, uh, answer. I, I'm afraid I cannot give you a magical solution for all the situations. Of course, we know that some, com some countries are more business-friendly than others. Uh, you have uh, uh, the Emirates of, uh, of Dubai, for example, that is tax-free at the moment, but things are going to change because they plan to implement, uh, to introduce a VAT 
Now in Dubai, you have no VAT, no income tax, so it's just an entrepreneur paradise at mm. the moment. It will not last forever. Mm. Um, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong is well known uh, for its uh, business-friendly policy, but with the recent regulations, um, uh, linked with the, the tax um, uh, evasion and the, the money laundering, uh, you have more and more controls in Hong Kong. So today, it's still easy to open, uh, to set up a business in Hong Kong, but you have a difficulty is to open an account related with your business is very complicated when you are not a resident in Hong Kong. So things are changing. And, and the, the, there is not one single uh, answer uh, applicable to all the cases. Yeah, so that's a good point. Before we go more into details in that, Nomad Nation, I want to specify something. The point for me of this episode is to bring you some indication of what you have to look for and what, what directions you have to uh, do your research because that's the thing every case is very specific and this is why it's very important and that's my biggest message here to do your research don't start your business without asking yourself these questions that we're going to highlight today so we talked about those four points and the fact that you know you just explained what solutions we have if, if we have to move every two three years um, but the point is these are great um, bullet points to keep in mind when you start looking for a lawyer, a tax advisor who can help you. It's important to have a bit of knowledge to be able to talk to that person and ask the right questions. And this is the point of this episode to, to give you a little bit of indications what you have to know about and what type of questions you have to ask your lawyer because I think that's the thing to know what questions to ask because when we have no knowledge at all, um, it's hard to choose the right lawyer and the right um, expert to help you. And finally, the other message here is always reach out for experts, always, mm -hmm. and spend the time in finding the right one for you. So I found the right one for you here, Rosianne. We're going to talk about these topics, but it's your job, Nomad Nation, to make your research. And the point of this episode is to tell you which direction to, to lead your research. So that's the point. Um, because individuals are individuals, they tend to think that uh, they are not companies, so their legal problematics are easy. Yeah. It's not all. <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. of the time, because you are an individual, things can get more complicated than what you think. Yeah. Right. And, the, and the, the, the legal situation in which expats uh, are involved to are very complex most of the time mm -hmm. because you have to deal with different regulations, different laws of different countries. So sometimes you would need different legal experts. Um, in Legal Nomad, we try as much as possible to centralize all the information regarding the several jurisdictions um, mm -hmm. uh, that are involved in your uh, legal situation. Yeah. And um, don't, um, don't be afraid with, with that. It's normal because most of the time the expats, the expatriates are in complex situations just because our situations are not common. Yeah. The, the, the world and the, the law has not been made for people traveling all around the world. We remain 
kind of exceptions. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not for too long. One day we hope we'll live in a unified world, but it's not the case yet. So in the meantime, we have to find solutions. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, very good, very important point to reach out to, to experts. And actually, I like that you highlighted that sometimes we need to reach out to multiple types of experts. I can give my examples in New York where I had to find an immigration lawyer to figure out the solution with my visa that I was one of the only diplomatic visa who started a company in New York. So nobody really knew and I had to find somebody who knew about it. Second, the tax advisor. And third, the CPA, which is the accountant who will manage your taxes. So it's very important to coordinate those knowledges and then up to you to make your decisions, your educated decision. <laughs> so um, good point here. So I want to go back to the question I asked you about what to do as an expat partner if you're traveling the world regularly and where to set up your company. So you said one of the simplest way is to set up your company in your home base, which I also recommend a lot to my clients uh, because you know that at some point, your family is legally based there. So you will, you know, you will always have to come back some point there. Um, but you also said in certain cases, not the best options because there are some tax regulations that make it more complicated. And actually I have to tell you, I have a case and maybe we can crack it here <laughs> where I have um, a, a great tandem nomads follower who, who was telling me that because she, because her her it's in switzerland where the um if you if you leave switzerland you're not allowed to be registered tax-based there so even if she wanted to be tax-based there um she could not so and her visa in the home country did not allow her to work so that's like an impasse you know um but you mentioned that solution actually by saying maybe there's a third country that's uh, a good country for for nomads to set up their companies. Uh, you mentioned Hong Kong, uh, Bahrain for now. Is there any countries you think it's good to look at as a third option if we're really serious about building this company and setting it up somewhere? Yes, I think I mainly think about Dubai, about Hong Kong, uh, Singapore can be a bit complicated. You have the Marshall Islands, but you have to be careful with this destination also because there is also, you know, the blacklist, the blacklisted countries, the, the countries uh, um, that don't uh, cooperate with the, with the country in, in order to exchange the, the financial information. So uh, if you have a, a company that is registered in one of these blacklisted countries, you have to be careful because you could have some automatic taxation enforceable to your business, whatever be the amount of your income. So one more time, it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, for example, for your, your friend or the person you were talking about, you were just talking about now um, with the, the, the Swiss uh, regulation, it's really something, you know, very specific. Mm. Uh, they, don't, they don't allow you to be uh, uh, um, based, I mean, uh, a tax resident in this country, while in France it's not the same. In France, if you have your main economical activity that is based in France, you will be liable to pay um, uh, taxes in France. Of course, you have a lot of details and more criteria, but the main principle is this one. If you don't live in France, you, if you are not a French uh, resident, a uh, tax resident, you don't need to pay uh, taxes in France. But as soon as your main incomes come from France, uh, 
In that case, you would be considered as being a French um, uh, resident, tax resident. So, you know, I mean, uh, Swiss, they, they think in a way, I mean, they, um, they have their own laws. Americans have their own laws. If you are an American citizen, wherever you are, you will pay the taxes with or without a business. In France, it's something different. Germans have their own uh, legislation. So you see where is the complexity. And the, the really the case by case um, approach. Yeah, but at the end, it all starts with this first question: Where do you set up your company? And, yes. and that's where you have to consider those four points we we mentioned: your type of visa, uh, your taxes, the, the form of the company, the type of liability, and what is your insurance situation. Your civil in France we say civil insurance, but I don't know in, in English how we say. But we all have to have liability insurance when we start a business, and yes. uh, and that's sometimes linked to your health insurance in certain cases. So make that research how is your insurance situation and how is it linked to your partner but um is there other legal aspects of running a business on top of where because i think we covered a lot of main points of what to consider to set up your business to create it um uh, and no matter nation if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out if you want more questions about these Part, how to set up your company. But there are other aspects, um, legal aspects about running a business. Um, do you want to maybe sum them up for us, Roseanne? What kind of other things we have to think of legally when running a business? So many things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> you could think about your, um, the trademark, yeah. how to register it. If you want just a local registration, if you want a worldwide registration, this is an important part. Uh, an important point if you are dealing with e-commerce also uh, where to uh, implement your your e-shop um, uh, actually has uh, uh, an impact in your terms and conditions what would be the law enforceable uh, to your contract in um, if you are an EU um, a citizen for example or if you have an EU-based European-based business um, we have the principle of freedom That means that you can choose the law that you want as soon as it's not uh, contrary to the, the compulsory um, regulation enforceable in, uh, in Europe. Uh, in, uh, in America, you, you could decide to, I mean, uh, um, choose the law of New York, the state of New York, for example, or the, um, anything. Actually, you have this freedom in choosing the law enforceable in your commercial relationship between your client and yourself. It could be uh, the law of the country where your business is based, but it could also be another one. You have to really think about that in order to choose the, the most interesting uh, laws for you and your client. Mm -hmm. So basically you're saying that uh, we have to think about our contract with our client and mention that in the contract, What kind of law is this relationship subjected to? Is it what you... Okay. That's it, exactly. Which law is um, applicable to the contract and which jurisdiction uh, would be um, uh, competent uh, yeah. if, uh, if you unfortunately have uh, to go in front of the judge? Okay, so, so that's one of the things to look at when you've, you look for your lawyer to ask them for advice on what kind of, you know, regis legislation and, and what rule of law is your relationship with your 
customer based on and mm -hmm. i guess you also need the language to be able to write it on the on on, yes. on the contract to i guess that's only a lawyer who can give you the exact wording to copy and pass in your contract yes because sometimes you, you copy past and you don't really understand what is involved mm. <laughs> uh, what is not written but that is um, implied by the, the law you are choosing and yeah. uh, in uh, the European Union, the consumers are very protected. There are um, some mentions that have to, uh, to appear in a compulsory way in your contract. There are some things that you cannot do. The civil law approach and the common law approach are very different, for example. Mm. Um, the, the law of tort, liability, the, the, the way to draft a contract, the approach of the um, contractual relationship are very different depending on uh, the, the fact you are uh, coming from uh, a civil law jurisdiction or a common law jurisdiction. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So if I just summarize again what we covered and extra other things to think about when you run a business, you mentioned the trademark. That's really important. Trademark is how do you protect the name of your company? Um, and I think here's the link between you and me. I think the legal aspect and the business aspect. One thing I realized that some people start companies, uh, names of companies without checking the URL, the domain name. So yeah. here is where we could really collaborate. Very important to you know make sure that it's available on the legal aspect and online when you choose the name of your business. Because the, the, the more your business is related to the keywords of, on, on, of your website, the better. So, so think about it. And trademark is basically the fact that you can protect the name and nobody can use it. You can either uh, protect it locally or internationally. And obviously, any tips about internationally? Because I know that I've been making some research and it's very expensive to be able to, to protect a name internationally. So any insights about that? I mean, you, you also have to be reasonable with uh, the impact of your trademark and, uh, and your business. If you think to be uh, as big and strong and as, uh, as, uh, 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 as big and strong uh, as Coca-Cola, for example, <laughs> you better register your, 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 your trademark uh, worldwide. And it's not because you have the same name than another company that uh, it's forbidden for you to, to, to register the, the, the brand. It's just that you could not have the same, um, you cannot act in the same sector. Uh, if you check uh, names like Cloud, like Bubble, or like uh, Apple, are taken 1,000 times, but there is just one Apple dealing this computer. <laughs> and if you try to open a company tomorrow dealing this computer and you call it Apple 1 or Apple A, um, it sounds like something not very good for you, actually. So, yeah. um, um, and Apple will let you will send you a letter and let you know that for sure. They have exactly. lawyers. They have lawyers checking that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So, yeah. having a single and your own name is the best um, uh, case, the base uh, hypothesis. But in case the name you are thinking uh, about is already taken. If you don't have the same activity, I mean, you are selling uh, a computer and the other um, uh, person having the same names, the same trademark and yours, are selling food, there is no link between the two activities. Mm. And uh, in this case, 
you, you, you don't enter into conflict. Yeah. And what, and what about historic usage? I don't know. Can you verify that for me? I know that when I've been doing research to protect the name Tandem Nomads, uh, as I could not pay for every country, apparently that you can put a sign TM on your logo or something yes. like that to say that this is my name. And although you don't pay for it, you can protect it for a while um, mm -hmm. by just using it. The fact that you have proofs that you were the first one to use it. Is that true? It's, it is. It's true. I confirm. Okay. So, so that could be a solution because we don't all have the means to right away invest in our trademarks because that's very expensive. So the, as long as you can prove that, that you have used the name before another person who's trying to do the same as you, then it can already be a good, a good first step. And then eventually when you grow, you have to protect your name because you never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. It's a good first step. And uh, in any way, you, if you, you can afford to have a worldwide protection, you can have a local one. You can register uh, your brand in the country where you live or in the country where you come from. Uh, but to register it somewhere and yeah. to expand your protection by, by, the, by the, the time later on. Yeah. But to try to protect it as soon as possible. And um, even if it's on a restricted Uh, geographical uh, zone, it would be protected and you will have to prove that first of all, you used it before the new uh, competitors and you registered it in a specific zone, but it was registered. Yeah, and there's another thing to highlight. A trademark is not the same as the name of your company, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, so you can register your company with that name. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I mean, you don't have to protect the trademark. I mean, a trademark is a name and a company is a company. So can you explain that difference? You're better at that. Because you can have what we call a commercial name. Um, let's say that uh, Rosiane Umbo Monteverde is a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Um, my company will have my name, Rosiane Monteverde uh, Law Firm. I would be registered as Rosianumbo Monteverde Company. But for my commercial name, instead of using my name, I can decide that I will use Legal Nomads Law Firm. Mm -hmm. So it is the difference between the commercial name that usually is the name that is registered and the name of the company. The company is the owner, its asset, it has the name registered as a brand. The brand becomes a, a, a property of the company. Exactly. Is Sorry? Is it, is it clear? Yeah. For me, it's clear. So, so basically, I love when you said your brand because that's it. The trademark is actually your brand. And yes. as a, you can register your company with the name of your brand and sometimes you don't. It depends. Uh, for example, a lot of lawyers register their companies under their own name and then have a brand name that they use to promote themselves. And, um, and for instance, your, your domain name, your website is the name of your brand, legal nomadstock come right so right. it's not your own name although when you bill your clients i guess in the bill it has to be your company's name both of them both, both of them. them both of them and um, the proof the, the the second proof is for example um you can have one company owning several brands yeah yeah you okay. can have different products because a brand can also be a product you're selling absolutely yeah 
Okay, very good. I think I think it's very clear. Yeah. Um, if you have more questions, nomination, reach out to us. We'll, I'm sure Rosen will be happy to to answer your your questions, and you can ask them in the comment section of the webpage of this episode, and we'll make sure to reach out to you. Um, so the other thing we mentioned is contract. Very important uh, when you have a relationship with and you're selling to your clients. Have a proper contract, and make sure to have a lawyer who helps you to design it. And one of the points to consider in that contract is uh, like you said um, which under which law if there is an issue is your relationship uh, but yeah, which, which, which rule of law is, uh, is uh, enforceable and uh, which um, uh, which uh, jurisdiction We've yeah. been dealing with the with the case. Thank you very much. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and what other things do we have to think about in a contract? Oh, to put it? You- and in general, we don't have to go in details. <laughs> in, in general, you really have to think about, depending on what you sell, do you sell services, do you sell products, um, do you uh, sell on demand, are their products already ready, are they personalized or not. Um, but let's say that uh, it's very important to define clearly what you are selling, under which condition, when will you deliver it, uh, do you allow to be uh, reimbursed or not? Uh, which are which condition would be um, applicable in case of uh, termination of the contract? If you terminate the contract, if the, the client terminates the contract, um, how would you notify the other person about the termination? By writing, by uh, by is a, a, a sole phone conversation would be sufficient. This kind of of details. Um, and it requires a little experience um, because when everything is fine, the, the terms and, and conditions are clear for everybody. But once a problem arises, <laughs> um, the, the interpretation, in, interpretation of, the, of the stipulations can be very different. So it, it's very important to be clear about what is sold, what is bought, uh, under which condition. And um, I like flexible contracts because when contracts are too rigid, um, it also um, grants rigidity to the yes to the to the commercial relationship. So, but having a flexible contract requires to have professional having a, a drafted that. Yeah. So, um, so uh, yes, you have main 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 uh, stipulations, uh, the object of the contract, the parties. And the conditions of the the, the, the duration of the contract. Mm. Okay. Especially if you uh, if you sell services, are you are uh, are you offering these services in a specific time frame or there is no time frame? And the, the law applicable, as we say, the jurisdiction. Uh, when is the contract repeated, uh, uh, executed, achieved, completed? Yeah. Yeah, very a lot of a lot of points that you mentioned here. Just real briefly, you mentioned the timing. Uh, you mentioned the type of product you you're providing or service. Uh, how do you execute that service uh, or how you deliver the product? Also, payment. How you get paid? Uh, that's I guess one of the important parts to cover in your contract. And what happens if you don't get paid, for instance? Um, so things to consider in your contract. And all of this, like we said many times are things you have to think about and reach out to legal experts to help you do that. So uh, 
what would you advise to the Nomad Nation on how do you decide if this is the right lawyer or expert for you? What are the, how can we choose the right person? I know that this person can really, it can be a good lawyer. We, we talked about this uh, earlier yeah. and I think you identify a good uh, criteria, but I, I will let you uh, <laughs> about that. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> lawyer for you I mean. <laughs> okay it's true I'm on the consumer side so yeah. <laughs> so yeah so I know that from my experience I've been talking to a lot of lawyers to be able to launch Tandem Nomads and help other my, my clients with their businesses and what I realized is that a lot of lawyers become very specialized in their domain and when they meet with clients they want to scale their business in a way by always offering the same answer and for me that's not a good a good way to do it, you know, providing the exact same legal advice to everybody. That's not a good. So how do I decided, I was asking myself, how can I know this person is giving me an advice that she's already used to give to 10,000 people? Or is it really for me? And I realized the difference is a lawyer who spends more time asking questions than giving answers for me is a good sign that this lawyer is really trying to find that the answer that fits me and not something that this lawyer knows so much about that just want to give it to me as it is. What do you think? I couldn't answer better. It's really, it's really that. I mean, having a lawyer who really understands to, um, to, 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 to understand the, the situation in which you are, to identify the legal points that could be problematic, that could be um, a bit difficult or dangerous in your specific case. Uh, it can be frustrating sometimes for the clients because they think, come on, uh, I wanted an answer where he or she was not able to give me an answer about this specific point. But because your case is always uh, special and unique, we have to make research. Research, sorry. And, uh, and the research can take time because uh, your case will not be the same than the case of another client. I mean, in my um, practice of law and regarding my, uh, my field of uh, activity, I never have twice <laughs> the, same, the same situation. It's very challenging, but it's also passionate. So asking questions, digging, digging in order to, 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 figure, out, to figure out what is the, the key point, what is the detail that will make difference in order to bring the good solution. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah, and I think that that shows that you are involved in your client's, you know, security and, and success by digging because I know that New York is a lot about expertise and people just like, you have people who only do C-Corps and LLC and if you go to them, they'll only provide you the LLC answer. LLC is a form of company. So it's really great. So Nomad Nation, if one, the first thing, as I said many times, find the expert who will help you to figure out all those points, uh, all your legal aspects of your company. And second, choose the right one by figuring out how much is this person really willing to help you with answers that are tailor-made to your situation because God knows how expats are very particular situations for, um, for lawyers. So make sure that it is. And I think the more we find lawyers who are specialized with international people, the better. That's another thing also I would look at. Somebody who's used to have clients who are very international might be more helpful than somebody who's very local, obviously. That's, yes. That makes sense. Wow. We've covered so much. So just 
nomination, here are the things that we have to look at. How to set up your company, we covered that. The second thing we talked about, trademarks. <clears throat> Sorry. And the third thing about your contract. So, uh, but you're also an, an, an expert partner, Rosian, and you're also an entrepreneur. So could you share with us before we say goodbye, some of your advice about what was important, what made you be able to succeed and grow your company as an expert partner? Uh, what would you say, advise to be successful in our businesses? <sighs> what would be my, uh, my, my advice to be uh, successful in a, in a business, to really believe in what you are doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you will, you will fail. Uh, and you will face um, unexpected odds <laughs> and obstacles. Um, but most of the time, it's when you start, you know, being discouraged and thinking, okay, I will never succeed in doing that, that things change, you know, and uh, the, sense, the sense come back, the opportunity arrives, and you succeed in, in reaching your, your, your objective. I'm not saying that it would be easy, there will be a part of struggle, <laughs> but uh, it's it worth, I mean, um, uh, to really believe in what you, you, you do, because it would not be easy every day. Sometimes it would be uh, more complicated than uh, other days. And if you don't believe in what you do, if you don't have a little faith in your, in your, in your project, uh, you could uh, abandon a bit too early, while the, the, the travel is uh, definitely nice. This is such a such an important thing. I know it seems very simple, but it's so important. Believe in what you do, because that's if you're passionate about what you do, that's what's going to make you, you know, build the resilience with through the ups and downs of of running a business. Because it's not an easy thing. You're constantly challenged. So um, that's a very good point. Um, so it was <clears throat> uh, one more thing about online resources. Is there any legal online resources you would share? with those who are looking for answers, legal answers? In my case, it's a bit complicated because it's so global. Mm. I mean, you know, if you are a French uh, national, uh, I would direct you, uh, uh, I would recommend a specific kind of uh, website. And even though, you know, on, on the internet, you find a lot of information, a lot of data. Some are, uh, um, so you can rely on some, and you cannot rely on, on, on the other. And when you are not an expert, you don't always know which one are reliable and uh, which other is not. Um, so uh, I would not take the challenge to advise you any website. I was, it was a trap. I was testing you. <laughs> okay, but there's one thing actually, maybe you can tell us. Um, you remember when you mentioned the countries where you could register your company and you said some of them are not... Um, they don't have like legal agreements. Is there like a list where you, we can find the countries uh, who are? Uh, uh, so in this case, I could give you some websites. <laughs> you can go, <laughs> you can go um, in the, the, the Chamber of Commerce of the, the country where you are living. Most of the time they, they have uh, resources and they can uh, orient you and help you to, to find the good um, conventions um, okay. in which you could eventually find the distribution or the answer you are looking after. Yeah, oh, that's a good advice, actually. Check out the Chamber of Commerce. That's a very good advice. In every country, every city, you have one. Uh, that's a great place, actually. Very, very good advice. Wow, fantastic. I enjoyed this. I really loved um, 
it's just an amazing thing that we got to meet through online nomad nation it was roseanne was in my newsletter and this is how we got to meet and she's just a fascinating uh, lady and such so much energy thank oh. you so much <laughs> you, uh, for everything you do for the, the nomad community really it's uh it's it's a blast <laughs> it, it, it's a blast and uh, i i really appreciate uh, you know how we met by chance. I mean, on the internet, I was looking uh, for my name, Legal Nomad, and I found a tandem nomad, and I just adored what you are, what you do. So uh, thank you very much for inviting me and uh, giving me the, the opportunity to share my experience. Oh. I'm so happy you did. Thank you so much for sharing your great experience and Nomad Nation. Uh, check out Legal Nomads, the website. I will also put on this webpage, the webpage of this episode, uh, all the information that she shared with us and the, the links to her website. So um, thank you again. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed the great insights of our guest today. If you did, please make sure to share it with your friends. See you at the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.